just kind of taken my time to not do music for a little while was initially the gap and then just taking my time really in general i just been having fun hanging out with my friends just doing like life things moved countries that's a big life thing yeah i moved to manchester from ireland above uh alan's fried chicken it's where i live it's really lovely place sometimes we have mice it's good why was it important to not do music for a little while i think just i was exhausted i'd done like three years of turn and it was really intense and I just was exhausted and I just wanted some everybody in my life was like going to university or making these drastic changes and growing up and I felt like I had to grow up a little bit but not in a educative way like more so just like as a human and growing up was backing away from work for a little while exactly yeah I'd exhausted myself in music and I just needed time to like refresh and you know collect my thoughts if that makes sense is it possible to completely back away i mean it's always a presence in your life yeah i say like i didn't make music but i was writing lyrics all the time and i was making melodies here and there so when i kind of sat down to really start writing and say what i had to say it was all kind of there already you know you carry a notepad around or you put you do it on your phone phone? which i get really scared about doing because if my phone goes missing i feel like my i'm like so can't make my minds up about phone because like it's an extension of people now, and I feel like it's so much cuter to have a notepad. I did a radio session once where I got the, it was yeah. Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, and yeah. I had the lyrics on my phone, and I got hazed so bad in the comments for it, and I deserved to as well. You can't really shut it off, but did you give yourself a certain amount of time where you weren't going to work on it in earnest? Yeah, well, I said, I told everybody I worked with I didn't want to play any shows, and I didn't want to, I just kind of, I just said, I told everyone I wanted to, like, stop and just collect myself for a little while, and that I'd start whenever. (laughs) And everybody was kind of just really understanding and gave me the space and time to make what I was going to make. So yeah, it was like, I finished touring, I kind of went home for a little while, maybe about two months later I started to write this record. So that's not a huge gap. It's not a huge gap, but it it felt like I just needed that time to just do something completely other than music. Because I had this whole thing in my head, like, if I'm not a musician, I'm not known for this, then, like, am I, like, who am I as a person completely void of the music side of me? And I just had this kind of, like, freak out of, like, what's my importance then? Or, like, what do I have to say for myself if I'm not directly connected with this one thing? So I think I just, the break was partly to be, like, work out, I don't know, just find myself again a little bit. Yeah. When did you really start writing songs? I started writing when I was, like, 13, and then kind of, professionally whatever you got, like touring and stuff when i was like 15 onwards. so you haven't had a an adult life that doesn't involve playing it before music. i've had it very easy yeah i've had a very privileged lucky <laughs> no, I time mean, i mean from the standpoint of no, like yes. you can't i mean you can't like decouple yourself from that because that's been your life for so yeah, long exactly yeah like i've been so lucky to have just like i don't know i've just had so many amazing opportunities and Things have gone my way. What does that look like? I mean, what do you do with yourself when you're not playing music during that, granted, fairly short two-month period? What did I do? I returned home to Derry, where I'm from, which is in Ireland. I guess I did a lot of just catching up with friends and stuff like that. And I think as well, you kind of spend the time after tours kind of repairing the relationships that <laughs> you kind of disregarded when you were away. Yeah. So I did that and kind of just did all the things that I'd missed doing when I was on tour, like driving around and just really basic things like listening to music in my car with my friends while driving nowhere and parties and but you, basic things. You know? Basically like yeah, being a teenager. Yeah, normal shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really did have a moment where you had to commit to it 
because you opted to do this instead of going to university. Yeah. I assume this is a a conversation you had with your parents at a certain point. Mm, Yeah. My, um, I, so when like I got some attention and stuff and record labels were getting involved, I didn't have management. So my mom like managed me for a little while, like Kris Jenner kind of thing. (laughs) And, um, hopefully not quite a Kris Jenner. No, not like, no, no, no. (laughs) I just like, I like to imagine her as Kris Jenner, but she's so, she's the opposite yeah. of that completely. Yeah. It's like really organic and like chill. And not horrible. Buddha lady. Yeah. She's really cool. So she looked after me just in a way of protection because the music industry is quite yeah. like intense. And then did the record label thing and everything from when I was kind of 16 onwards. I tried music school for a little while. It just didn't work out. <laughs> Have you studied classically at all? No. No. I'm self-taught yeah. guitar and everything else. I did GCSE music. Which I don't know how that transfers to. I was like sixteen. It was like okay exam. When was it clear though that this was going to take precedence over school? I knew during my GCSEs that once I was finished, those like those are the compulsory last exams you have to do, yeah. and then you're free to do what you want. <laughs> Be uh, a rock star. Yeah, I knew then. Like I didn't want to continue school because just at that time it just didn't interest me, and I wanted to make music. So to keep my parents happy because they always said I needed a backup plan if music didn't work out. I started to do music course to like gain a qualification. And whilst your your backup plan to music was, was music, music. <laughs> yeah. and then I um, started that. Did six months of learning about the Dixie Chicks, and then I'm sorry, what? In, one of my classes was like really based around the Dixie how Chicks they, controversy with oh, um, the uh, Bush thing. Yeah, the present. Yeah. So learned all about that. Okay, my main main thing I learned. Um, and you feel like that was relevant information? Felt that was. Imp- important yeah, yeah i feel like that did things you felt like you've grown and <laughs> no i can have conversations with people sure, in the music industry in america but this one thing specific topic and yeah. be like knowledgeable i don't know anything about it anymore yeah. watching no, documentaries none of us do. yeah it's been you know 10 years we just completely forgot the whole thing a lot of news happens yeah these easy days to disregard some it seems like yeah <laughs> it's a pretty crazy world so that was more what music business then music business but also like the art of like setting up a microphone and mm. how you stand beside okay. a microphone and how you stage etiquette, I guess, that I don't really agree with. Did you actually learn anything useful? Yeah, I definitely learned useful things, but I'm not sure how many of them I've used. Yeah. <laughs> they felt useful at the time. And it seemed like the learning music theory and all that would have been useful as well? Yeah. Yeah. It was just too tough to wrap your brain around. To be one. honest, I was just like so half there when I was in the school because I was getting these other music opportunities outside of school. Like, I got offered to play with Snow Patrol to, like, 2,000 people when I was in music school. And so that became a priority over going to class. And then loads of things like that happened. I just wanted to do that instead of school. Do these seem like things that you would want to or could possibly return to at some point? School? Or those subjects specifically? I mean, if you were to sort of go back, would you go back down that road? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I... I feel like anything I'd learn in school now I could teach myself online or via musicians that I know or people in the industry that have real life experience. This is a conversation I have a lot with a lot of artists is if you're trying to do a certain thing, do you want to take a job that's tangentially related to that, you know, or like, mm. on, like kind of on, on the periphery as a, uh, you familiar with the phrase seeing the sausage being made? <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> I guess that's an American euphemism. I guess what it sort of refers to is, you know, if you work in a slaughterhouse, you might never eat meat again. Okay, yeah, yeah. Learning the the ropes in the music business seems like a pretty good way to spoil yourself toward any kind of romanticism that you might possibly harbor around it. The harsh truth. Yeah. Yeah. 
2015 was the last record. Yeah. I assume that your life feels markedly different than oh, it yeah. did then. Drastically. Yeah. The, yeah. All the interviews I kind of do at the moment feel like comparing two things because it's the time difference and I feel like... It's probably better though than uh, all my questions being about you being 18 years <laughs> old. Now, right? I mean, it's probably a step in the right direction, I have yeah. to imagine. Yeah, well, I feel like you know, I was 2015, I was on 22 now, math, four years ago. 18. When I was younger, that was like yeah. the big thing that people really put on me was that only sixteen, which is like I get because like if I heard a song by like a sixteen-year-old now, that was thought was really good, I'd be like, well, and they're only sixty, so I get it. But I think at that time it was kind of like when I put out my first record, people were telling me what I was a lot. People were like, this wise young person, and blah blah. blah. I thought at the time I really knew what I was about and what I who I was, and like was so positive about everything about myself. And I'd been told so much about myself that I was like, I guess that's my vibe, this Wikipedia, that's me. And then I guess the gap between 18 and 22, I've come to recognize that I'm way different from all the things that I've been told that I was. And I guess it was a mature moment for me in growing up that I had to do was kind of just learn who I was and what I what I was about firsthand. <laughs> without people telling me. When you're, you know, 16 or, or 18 and all these sort of conversations are around how, how young you are, do you feel like you have something to prove to people? Mm. That's the thing, like on my first record, because it got some like, awards and nominations, stuff like that. When those happened, I was just like really chuffed about it and excited and yeah, I just felt really lucky. And I'd never thought about the, everybody asked me in interviews like, well, what about the pressure now for the second album and everything like that. And at the time I was really chill, but I was like, no pressure at all. So fine. Not worried. And then it came to the record and I was like, terrified. <laughs> Did the first one feel easy? Yeah, because I wasn't writing it for anything other than myself. I was just writing it because I was writing it and I wasn't signed. Well, I was signed towards kind of the end of writing the record. But even then I was just, it was... The priority was writing it for myself. And you were kind of accumulating songs over the years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Like the first, there's songs on that from when I was 13. That's always the conversation, right? You have your whole life or however long to do the first one and the second one. Yeah. Is More limited time. Yeah. Frame. How much of the pressure, though, that you felt um, in the lead up to this was external? I think all of it was me, the pressure I was putting on myself. Obviously, there's just like natural, there's pressure if you like, if, so, if you do something and it's not shit and it does okay, there's going to be pressure to do something again that's not shit and it's okay <laughs> so start with shit and start then work your way up and work your way up yeah. um so yeah i think honestly that's i think i when i began to write this record i was just crippled with pressure that i was putting on myself i was lucky that everybody i was working with was v just very encouraging and told me to go at my own pace and do what you gotta do it's fine but i think just me internally i became like hyperly critical of everything i did so I would play one note in the piano and be like, shit, it's the worst thing I've ever heard. Kill it. Dead. Uh, I didn't give things a chance. And I think I'd just grown really doubtful of myself and just really had overthought things and I felt the pressure. And then the big breakthrough for me was just, I was in a really weird place and I was, had just lost myself in a lot of ways. And that was the point I was like, I need to make music like just for me again. Because I think before that I was trying to write this album for I don't know, I guess yeah, the label, the world. the world, not me. And then the album really started whenever I realized that I just, I had to say these things for myself and I had to express myself in this way because I needed to work through all these things that I felt and like, I guess, moments of my life that I'd avoided. You said you kind of lost yourself for a while. What does that mean? I just think, because when I, I just had no idea who I was for a minute. I don't know. I think, I don't know what happened. I think 
I've spoken to a lot of people who also say that when you're 20, you're just going to have these moments sure. of like maximum confusion. And and... Don't go away. Yeah. I'm sorry to break <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, that's you. what I thought it was going to get easier. No. And then what the fuck? No. no. Apparently at a certain point, they get worse. Too. Yeah, like... great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just, it just hit me by surprise. I just had this moment of just complete self-doubt. like doubt And you know, I just lost myself in just so many ways. I think Turin kind of just lets you avoid so much of your own life and like contently do it and then when you stop there's so much that you have to confront did you write on tour at all i wrote lyrics but and like bits and pieces here and there but i never i was just always so busy i never really sat down and wrote music how have the lyrics changed do you feel like you become more confessional more introspective mm. my first album like i was really shy like in all ways and lyrically i i was being really honest but i was making metaphors and stuff so it was really hidden what i was trying to say just trying to be like smart about it, but like really just scared. And on this album, I don't dress things up. I'm just saying it because I have to say it. And it's confessional and it's honest. And like a lot of it, there's a lot of sad things I say and admit, which felt really important to do for myself to be like comfortable with being sad or depressed. And I think it's so important to, even if you're scared to say something because you're scared of how someone else will react. Or like for me, for example, a lot of my lyrics was like, my mom's going to hear this and be really sad that I was sad. But I think that's there's something beautiful about Like it's maybe something hard to hear, but it has to be said. It's almost coming to grips with the fact that you are addressing the fact that you're sad, especially yeah. if you're kind of thrust into that world. You're, you're touring, which is like literally escapism from yeah. reality. Yeah. You can go a long time without realizing that you're Yeah, I don't, I don't even think I realize. I don't think I was massively depressed on tour i think i was i went through a lot of ups and downs emotionally because just the nature of touring is so unpredictable and so hectic and i think at that age especially being away from your friends is a weird thing to be surrounded by adults all the time but i think it really just kicked in when i stopped touring and stopped moving and was static for a second and then i was like here's all these things that you avoided for three years coming back and now you've got to you know face things so what is that process once two months are up and you do start kind of writing in earnest? What does it take to recognize these things in yourself? I think it's like I ran a marathon and then I just stopped. And then I realized that my body just didn't have all the energy in it. That like all my emotions were just like, I just felt like gray. I just, I don't know, everything in my life wasn't as I expected it to be. And the disappointment of returning to a very normal life after living such a exciting life was really hard to adapt to. I just found myself in a slump and I didn't recognize it for a while. And then as time went on, I just felt worse and worse. And I think I expected to come back from Turin and all my friends be like around all the time and like be really up for doing things. I mean, they've like, but they've, they've gone lives. on with their lives. They've like shit yeah. to do that doesn't yeah. involve keeping me entertained all the time. And just living in a place that has a really slow pace of life and not that many opportunities or kind of limited things to do. Just When did you move? I moved a year and a bit ago now. Okay. So, so in the middle of my album, kind of. These songs were written back home. Half were written back home, and maybe 70% was written back home, and mm. then the rest was in Manchester, where I moved to. What was the impetus there? Uh, because I felt like I needed to grow up, and I wasn't going to do that at home. And I needed to be independent in that way. You literally need to leave your parents' house. I literally had to go. I was like, I cannot yeah. be here anymore. And I was so depressed being there. I just needed a big change to just like just start again fresh. And my mom was really encouraging of that. She kind of was just like, you need to move. And at the time I was like, stop telling me I need to move. Even though I wanted to. And she knew I had to 
just go do something for myself as well. And as soon as I moved, like, that was a really huge development in how I was feeling. And that's kind of how the album finished was, you know, I literally did move from the slump that I was in and things started to look up. And I guess my outlook on things changed and that's how the album ends is that, you know, I, the train departs Grimtown and is on to better things and looking up. Was it sequenced pretty closely then to the before and the after? Yeah, that's what I was trying to do was like the idea of Grimtown was location to be my brain and you to come into it and exit it. And it was, I'm just trying to replicate everything that happened to me in terms of like, almost like it's a little movie. I mean, you moved to, obviously, obviously Manchester's got a very famous music scene. Like, there's, there's a little bit of culture there. I mean, I, I assume that your life, at least from an entertainment and, and, and having, like, peers' standpoint must be pretty vastly different. Yeah, and even, like, just the excitement of, like, in Derry, I, I love it so much. And my childhood and growing up there was, like, so special. But to be around brand new people was so exciting and to be in such a new place and bright lights and good transport links things like that was just so enlightening at that point in time was there music around when you were growing up yeah i've my family's really musical my big brother like djs my little brother uh sings kind of drag songs could you like go out though and like go see like an indie rock band or very rare the people that i wanted to see came to my town because it's hard to get to i guess it's not really on the tour i don't know trip I definitely went, I tried to see as much as I possibly could, and I saw a lot of really great local acts that taught me a lot about stage performance and, and music in general, I guess. The math has changed on that quite a bit over the past like 10, 15 years in terms of both access to that music and your ability to to create music. Yeah. I mean, you were a literal bedroom recorder, right? You yeah, sort of literally. sat down and, and started playing. I think music for me, like, I never really had like my thing. Like some kids are like sports kids, others are like the nerds, I, sure. things like that. I just never really had a thing other than like Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and then I picked up guitar when I was 13 and then I became obsessed with it because I was good at it. So I was like, I need to know everything about it ever and I need everybody else to know that I know it about it ever. And that's kind of how I found my friends and how I expressed myself for the first time because I was really shy. So from that point on, I just became a music nerd and was like in everything I could be involved in. Were you able to find people around though with similar interests? Yeah, big time. Yeah, like even though Derry is like a smallish place, the people there are incredible. Mm-hmm. There's just so many just incredible characters from there and all my best friends are from Derry as well. Yeah, like it's just, it's a, it's a really charismatic place and you skate right i did you did skate. I, yeah i mean I, that's an easy way though it's an easy way to find people oh yeah big time loads of my friends were skaters too a lot of the thing about small towns is that everybody just comes together and like regardless of kind of what you're into you kind of just become this big squad of mob of people all together all the time but I definitely, like, I find my friends through skateboarding and music at the start. You started playing and recording alone in your room. Were you hesitant to share it with people early on? I'm trying to remember. I I mean, you obviously, like, had some pride in your own ability as a guitarist. Yeah. I initially was in, like, bands with my friends. We had a band called That's What She Said. Another band called Peeing in the Dark. Mm-hmm. A lot Very, of classy, classy names. Great names, great yeah. names great t-shirts, did covers and stuff. And then I was just doing this like secretly in, on my own in my bedroom, writing all these songs. I'd recorded them. I was always really, really interested in recording. 
and I was always recording my music in my room. And I showed my mum one of my songs, like, that I'd recorded, because I didn't want to play in front of her, so I was like, check it out. And then I ran out of there. I was like, don't want to look at you while you listen to this. She didn't believe that I'd written it. And, like, it took ages to convince them that I'd actually done it and it wasn't a cover. And then um, I showed them another song. They were just, like, really impressed. And then I uploaded a song to BBC introducing the iPlayer in the UK. It's, like, an online website. You can just throw your music on, see what happens. And they played it on radio. And then it kind of got very real from then on. And I was kind of... But I was hesitant to perform on my own. You didn't really have time to doubt yourself, though, because things happened pretty quickly. Yeah, kind of just, like went for it at the start and didn't really think I'm, I'm very uh i'll do things before thinking about them yeah. quite a lot you were in these like ironically named like jokey named bands you know <laughs> which i assume was like very different sort of stylistically and definitely we were like singing zombie yeah yeah were you sort of hesitant to embrace a more earnest songwriting style i know when i started writing music i just listened to bonnie ver for emma forever okay, ago so no so I was like, I couldn't have embraced it more yeah. in a way. Yeah, you really leaned in on that one. But I think at the same time, I always wanted to be in a band from the offset. So it was always strange to me that I ended up being a solo artist. Even though there's like, there's a band now with me. But yeah, I always wanted to be in a band that I started with lots of other people. How did that happen? That just was a result of the song that you recorded alone being the first thing that people heard? I'd written, I'm trying to remember, there was a lot happened within like a year kind yeah. of. Wrote a few songs, recorded them, was kind of like finding a way to like professionally record them. Uploaded one song to a BBC iPlayer, a guy called Philly Tiger, who's Irish as well, played. It was like awfully recorded because I recorded it in my room. He fixed the static buzz on it so that he could play it on radio. Production was really just somebody coming in and noise equalizing. Yeah, yeah. but he didn't even need to do that. He just really liked the song and yeah. went and did it. Played it on the radio, and then a lot of people were like, "It's a, it was a, it's a big radio station, so a lot of people were like, who's this, blah, blah, blah. And then people got interested, and eventually I started to record like professionally. Do you miss that more direct collaboration? Not really, because like... I record my demos now and on my own too yeah. as well. But obviously like there's a difference in oh, writing yeah, by a, yourself and really playing with people. Yeah, yeah, big difference. But I, I love that there's the option to do both. And I love writing music on my own, but I also love playing and writing music with other people. The collaborative process I think is so exciting. And so I like things happening fast. And that's just really exciting to me to be in that environment. Do you foresee yourself switching up between the two? As a writer, I like at the moment writing with other people more but i'm excited to do a lot of solo writing very soon i feel like i have a lot saved up but i really love playing with other people especially like i love my band and being on tour with the band and i love that we can replicate the album live like we do because it was very lonely i did a lot of touring solo when i was younger it was like a really lonely time although really exciting and cool very lonely to travel on your own with yeah. a tour manager when you're like 16 so it's basically the same group of people that played on the record than touring these guys didn't. Tommy, who plays my band, played on this record. James, who tours my band, played on my last record. And Sophie is brand new. There was different people involved in this album. There's a lot of different people that I got to play on it. And just for convenience, because I was in London to record it. And those guys are all Irish or Manchester, Sophie. So they weren't on the record. Are you interested in sort of having, forming a core group of people? Or, or yeah. do, you, do you like the freedom of playing with different people? In terms of like live and touring and stuff, I love the... Like, Tommy and James have worked with me for, like, six years or something now. Telepathic communication between yeah, you guys. Yeah, they really... Yeah. And as well, like, everybody in my band is, like, 30, which they're, like, immature still, but really, 
like they really look after me and like they care for me a lot which is has been really nice and growing up and I trust them so much that I would never replace them he's funny guys too he's have a good time plus they're all really talented musicians and Tommy's been involved in like the whole soak thing since the very beginning so why is it important to make an album you know obviously the um distribution has changed a lot we're recording the early ones in your bedroom and it's easy enough now to just record a song and and throw it up on the internet throw it up because i like making people wait for things and i think (laughs) it's the way everything now is in the modern world is so immediate because of the immediateness of things we don't think about them as much as we should it's like the difference between analog cameras and digital cameras. Like with an analog camera, you'll take a photo of something. What you decide to take photos of will be so much more thought out than a photo you take on your phone or digital camera because you can take like a billion of them. An analog, you can take like 36 or whatever. With an album, you have to sit down and listen to the entirety of that. It's not like a throwaway single that you just skip on Spotify. It's like a whole collection. And it's, I like the set, the track listing of my album, I put in a way that I wanted people to listen from the very start to the very finish in one full sitting. And I feel like the beauty of making albums like that right now is so important because everything is so disposable. It's like to have a whole big chunk of music that has been organized the way it has is really cool. When was it clear that there was a a bit of a cohesive narrative between the songs? Well, I think I've always just liked that idea. I, like Dark Side of the Moon, I always saw it as being like perfect album, start to finish. You can listen to it in whole and it feels like a complete piece and a story. And with Grimtown, I kind of very early on in the making of it, I just had the idea of like starting somewhere and I don't know, just it being a whole journey kind of. And once the train idea came into it, I was like set that it would start with like this spoken word piece about setting scene, the environment. Also like you leave in that place as well. I just like that the story being starting and ending on one one thing grimtown that's rough you do like the place you're from no i really like the place i'm from i think just grimtown felt the most defining way and kind of comically bad way to put it and i just wanted it to reflect how i felt and that's just grimtown is like something me and my friend said in a joking way to be like i don't know if something was happy we'd be like that's happyville it's happy city or if something's bad we'd be like oh it's grimtown or you know so it was like a joke and then I was like, actually, it's quite defining, though, so I'll take it. Obviously, it's a lot easier to take for granted things when you're in it versus when you leave. And yeah, exactly. I've gone on tour for a few yeah. years. I think a lot of like this album as well is, like, lyrically, I take the piss out of myself, and I'm quite sarcastic about things. And I think the album being called Grimtown is a good way to let people know what they're in for. How's the person on the first track different from the person on the final track of the record? At the start, it feels like there's not much hope, and just feels like you're at the bottom of a well kind of the first song get set go kid is this really sarcastic song kind of about uh living in a middle city apartment just like living a very boring unfulfilled life and i think it sets the scene the imagery in that is quite strong and that's how it begins and by the end there's a line that's the last song not miss calls the song before that actually called nothing looks the same there's a line in the middle, the bridge part, which I feel is the most like defining of the record, says, I was drowning, my brain was a pool, I'm kicking off the bottom, I'm coming for the moon, I'm coming for my life, which just felt like I'm coming for my life. Just feels like a very, like the most important part of the album, really, to be like, I've gone through all this, I felt all these ways, but I just wanted, I'm going to live my life now and I want to live my life as much as I can. You quite literally put things on pause for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
There you have it, a wonderful conversation with Bright Elon's Watson of Soak. Thank you so much to her for taking the time to do that. Her new record, Grimtown, just came out last week on Rough Trade Records. Thanks to her. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify, YouTube, anywhere where you happen to get your podcasts. Like us on Facebook. If you have any feedback, it's rwellcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rwellcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your RIYL-related information. And that's about all we got for this week, so stick around because we are going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. 